So it's a new year, and we have survived the holidays. And as a church, <laughs> we are um, running hard and fast and strong after what we believe that God has called us to do, and that is to love, build, and send people with the gospel. And so I'm so excited as we look into this new year, as our staff has begun to make plans, as we dream about missions trips and things we're going to give to and things we're going to go to and, and places where we're going to go spiritually that we've never been. And I'm so excited for the opportunities to advance God's kingdom and live on mission every single day of this year. What do you guys think? Let's do that together as we see 2019 unfold. So this new year, I want to ask you, what do you wish would be different about this year? What, what would you wish would be different about this year that wasn't the same as last year. Maybe it's something with your marriage. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe it's something about your job or something about the ministry that you serve in. But before that you, de you decide uh, what your goals and dreams are for this coming year, I want to encourage you to ask God what are his for your year. Because sometimes those don't always align perfectly. What are the things that he wants you to change? What are the things that he wants you to focus in on and accomplish. Many of you, you may have made New Year's resolutions this year, or at least you have some goals for this coming year, and oftentimes our resolutions fail um, because we fail to pray. And we know that without God's help, our most meaningful intentions will fade or fail away. And so this sermon series that we're going to start off 2019 with is on prayer. Because without prayer, we will lose our way, we'll lose our passion, we will fizzle out on any goal that we make in these first few weeks of the year. And so I want to encourage you to dream big dreams for 2019. Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we often settle for, for dreams or visions that are smaller than what God wants us to dream about. I love this quote from Dwight L. Moody. He made a statement, I shared this on New Year's Eve as well. But he said, if God is your partner, make your plans big. If God is your partner, make your plans big. And if God's plans are big, then we need to ask big. We need to ask big. And so this series is called Ask because it's centered around five prayers that we can ask God for. All right? And those prayers are these. These are the five prayers. Search me. Send me. Stretch me. Lead me. And use me. So we've created a prayer journal. In fact, if you have it right now, would you just get it out and take a look at it? If you didn't get one of these, you can get it on the way out of the sanctuary today. If someone didn't come with you today that usually does, you can grab one for them. But we created a prayer journal for the first, uh, or for, for 35 days of this new year. Uh, and, and if um, each week, what we want you to do is share, uh, write down your prayers. So I'm gonna share a message about each of these each week. So week one is search me. And so today... Tomorrow morning when you wake up and maybe you do your time with God in the morning or the afternoon or maybe having a time with God is a resolution for you, I want you to just fill out a few lines of prayer every single day of the week. So the idea is that you will pray every day, even if it's just two words, even if you just write down, search me on every single line of this week, that you would come before God every day, and the goal is for us to engage in prayer every single day. And I'll tell you what, if you pray for 35 days straight, something will change in your life. 
Something will alter in your spiritual life. And so this week, I want you to, to pray to God, search me. In today's message, I'm going to expand a little bit on that, so hopefully you get some other things that you might want to pray um, throughout this week. And then next week, we'll talk about send me, and you can pray through that week. The next week, we'll talk about stretch me. Then we'll talk about lead me, and then we'll talk about use me. And so you even have like a spoiler alert on all the next five sermons. Look at that. So, so get, put this somewhere safe, somewhere where, where you can find it, somewhere where you can reference it, and, um, and make sure you take someone or take this to someone else that isn't here today. We'll have them through the whole series. If someone comes next week and they miss this week, they can jump right in. And so we're really excited. We hope that you use this tool to really engage in prayer in this coming year. So in all simplicity, prayer is communication and fellowship with Father God. <clears throat> prayer is this movement of God um, to a person and back. It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm of encounter and response. Encounter and response. Encounter and response. It's not intended to be a one-way conversation. It's not supposed to be like talking to the ceiling and never hearing anything back. We are to engage in conversation. Now, sometimes... Um, God doesn't respond the way we would expect him to, but he always does respond if we are tuned in and if we are looking for that opportunity. Prayer is such an important spiritual discipline because it's our direct communication to God. When we pray, we begin to think the way God thinks. We begin to desire the things he desires. We begin to love the things he loves. We begin to want the things he wants. And prayer brings us closer to understanding the character of who God is. I heard this story once about an elderly man um, who became terminally ill with cancer. And he moved in with his daughter and her family uh, to live out his final days. And he was bedridden. He didn't have a lot of strength. And he had not been to church much in his life. He did not have much of a relationship with God. But in his last days, a pastor came to see him. The he might have been Pastor Don. We don't know. Just for the sake of the story, we'll just... We'll just call this Pastor Don. And he came to see him. And the pastor said, um, I just want to get you ready, you know, for the next, uh, the, the afterlife. I want to get you ready to think about what will happen when you die and where you'll spend eternity. And, and the man said, well, I don't know how to really have a relationship with Jesus. And the pastor said, if you want a relationship and talk with God, just pull up a chair beside your bed. And just talk to Jesus like, like you would a friend or like you would a visitor and, and just, just talk to him. And so each night the man would pull up the chair beside his bed and he would begin to just talk to him like, like he was a friend. And at first it seemed very, very strange. But soon the man was talking to the Lord for hours every night. And the time came when the man passed away and his daughter had gone to the store. And when she came home, she called out to check on him. And when he didn't answer, uh, she, she went, ran up to his room and, and found him deceased, and she called the pastor and asked him to come. And the daughter told the pastor, she wasn't sure what happened, but when her father died, but when she found him, his head was laying in the chair. Prayer brings us closer to the heart of God. Prayer brings us closer to the heart of God. And so today we're going to look at praying these two words Search me. So would you just say those words out loud today, wherever you are, just say, search me. All right. David's a man in the Old Testament. And, and actually, last week, if you were here, Pastor Don talked about the same passage. I love how God aligns things so perfectly. He prayed this powerful prayer. 
His enemies were accusing him of having wrong motives. And instead of defending himself and trying to argue with his enemies, he just prays this prayer in Psalm 139, 23, and 24. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I want to talk about the human heart for just a little bit. Um, we often, we even use the phrase, she has a good heart, you know, or, or that person has such a good heart. But in reality, when we don't surrender our hearts to Christ, our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are not naturally good and pure. In fact, as soon as we let our guard down, as soon as we don't um, let Christ rule in our hearts, our hearts run straight down the darkest and most unruly paths. And all of ours do that. There are no exceptions. In fact, Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And the heart is deceitful to others, but I think the heart is most deceitful to us. It tells us things, it lies to us. It, it makes us believe things that aren't true. It makes us uh, believe things about ourselves that maybe aren't true. And so when we pray, God, search my heart, God is going to show you things in your heart that are not pure. And he's going to do that not to shame you. He, he does not want to bring you uh, condemnation on yourself, not to defeat you, but he is going to do that because he wants to bring you closer to him. He wants the Holy Spirit to transform you into Christ's image. And so he says, right here, here's where I need you to work on it. And that's the first step as we begin to submit our lives to Christ. David prayed a similar prayer in Psalm 51.10 when he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's like asking the Lord to do heart surgery. Would you take out the old parts, the, the parts that aren't pure, the parts that aren't honoring to you, the attitudes, the goals, the actions, the, the decisions, the thoughts, and would you replace it with a pure heart? Would you renew a, a new spirit within me? And the reason why it's so important to, to make sure your heart is pure is because it, it houses the presence of God. Your heart is what houses the presence of God. In the Old Testament, there was an object called the Ark of the Covenant. I have a picture, a drawing here um, that someone made from the description in the scripture. And this Ark of the Covenant housed the presence of God. And so everywhere uh, the Israelites went, they carried it with them on their shoulders. They kept it safe. They put it deep inside the temple. And wherever the Ark was, God's presence was there. Well, at one point, Excuse me. In 1 Samuel 4, Israel allows the Philistines, who was the enemy, to steal it. And Israel lost the ark because they were disobedient to God. And what the scripture is showing us here is that you always lose your sense of God's presence at the point of disobedience. You always lose your sense of God's presence at the point of disobedience. That God won't negotiate. He won't compromise. He won't overlook disobedience. There's a consequence for those choices. And sometimes they aren't in the natural. You may get away with what you were trying to do without the consequence in the natural. But in the supernatural, there's always a consequence for disobedience. And after Jesus came to earth as a human... 
He left his Holy Spirit here. The New Testament talks about this and says, you don't need a box to carry the presence of God around in, in anymore. This is a new covenant, a new testament, a new way, and that God's presence can be everywhere all the time. And so his presence can live inside of our hearts. And that's why the scripture says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that, that we are carrying the Holy Spirit inside of us. So when your heart is not pure or you're acting in disobedience, you are not protecting the presence of God in your heart. You're not giving the presence of God a safe place to live. And so little by little, when you continue to be disobedient, the presence of God has nowhere to live. And the presence of God gets crowded out. And then all of a sudden you wonder why you feel so far away. Why you can't hear him or feel him anymore. And that's why we pray, God, search me. Search my heart, because I don't want any bit of it not protecting your presence. I want my whole heart all in, able to hold the presence of God. And so this is my prayer. This is the prayer that we say, God, search me. And, and this is the prayer that we need to pray every day, all life long. In fact, many of you who are further down the road on your Christian journey, I, I leaned over to Pastor Steve during worship. I said, during the potter's hand, some people are saying, oh, this is a great new song, <laughs> because you never heard it before, but that's from 1990, I think. And, and it's an awesome song. But oftentimes when we serve God for, for a very long time, we think that we don't, you know, we got it all together. Like we don't, we're good, we're not living in sin, you know, we have it together. But what happens is a, a little bit of, of disobedience can be a problem. You know, a tree root doesn't have to be very big to trip you, right? Like something small and seemingly harmless can do a lot of damage if it affects the purity of our heart. The little things can be the big things. And so all life long, all of our Christian journey, every day, we should say to the Lord, search me, God, search me. Wherein my heart is not pure, what attitude has crept in, what thought, what behavior? So Psalm 139 continues. It records that David says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, anxious thoughts is another way of saying our fears. So basically, David is praying, reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. So what are your anxious thoughts? Are they few and far between? Are they fast and furious and constant? Do they come in waves and then go away again? What are you afraid of? What, what, are you afraid of losing your job? Are you afraid of not getting married by age 30? Are, are you afraid of being stuck in the marriage you're in for 30 more years? Are you afraid of the future? Are you afraid of the unknown? Are you afraid of losing somebody or something? It's interesting because as I was studying this, I thought, Lord, most of the time I'm trying to ignore my anxious thoughts. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of them. So why would I pray for you to show me them? <laughs> like, no, I don't want to talk about those things. I just want you to take care of it. And I believe that when we, when we fear things, it reveals something about us. It, it reveals something that we really need to know, we really need to come to terms with. Because what we fear the most reveals the area of our life that we trust God the least. What we fear the most 
reveals the area of our life that we trust God the least. And so if you begin to pray this prayer, search me, God, show me what in me that isn't pure, reveal my fears to me, God will show you where in your life where your trust is weak. Where in your life you're lacking trust that you need to beef it up. If you have this fear centered on finances, well, that's where you need to beef up your trust in who God is and how he'll provide for you. If it's around your marriage or your children, your next step in life, that's where God is asking you to trust him more. And so when God reveals our fears to us, we can submit those fears to God and begin to trust him more. When he reveals those fears to us, these things that are deep down and underlying and and maybe shaping our decisions and our days, he reminds us this is how you deal with fear. We sang it this morning. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We deal with it with praise, right? The scripture says. We deal with it with scripture. We deal with it with the truth. We pray. We engage with God. We dig it up out of our heart, and we get our heart pure and rid of those fears. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. A perfect love drives out fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So David's praying. He's saying, know my heart, God. Reveal my fear. And then we see in verse 24, I want to put Psalm 139 back on the screen here. So he says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So David asked the Lord to uncover his sins. Now, this prayer takes courage. David wants God to show him the places in his life that are inconsistent with the truth, the places where he is missing the mark. It is so difficult to see our sins in the mirror. It it is so difficult. We are masters at justifying and defending our own thoughts and actions and attitudes. It's so easy to see everyone else's. (laughs) It is so obvious, right? It is so obvious to to see what other people are dealing with or the sin in their life. But, But it is so difficult to come to terms with our own shortcomings. We all have blind spots in our lives. We, we, may, we may not know how we make others feel or how selfish we are in our thinking. We don't even evaluate that because it hurts. <laughs> because it hurts. It, we put ourselves in this vulnerable position to say to the Lord, uncover my sins. Like, what are the things that I'm failing at? Now, there's a few questions I believe we can ask ourselves, some practical questions that could really help with the self-awareness of our own life. And you may even want to jot these down in your journal so you can ask the Lord these this week. But the first is, uh, what are others trying to tell me? If you have had three or four people tell you that they love you, but they think that you might have an issue, (laughs) or somebody had that moment over there, they're laughing. Or maybe they are a little concerned about a certain way you're acting or a habit you're forming or or, or maybe they're saying, you know, man, you get mad really fast. Like, is everything okay? People that love you, if they're speaking that, and you have heard that more than once, more than on just an off day, that could be a legitimate common denominator. You should pay attention to that. And say to the Lord, okay, God, uncover my sin. Is there something here that is actually true? Second question we can ask is, what have I rationalized? 
So, so what things in your life do you say, I know this is wrong, but this is the only way I can cope right now? Or I know I can't continue this behavior forever, but right now I need it. I'll stop. I'll stop sometime. Or this isn't that big of a deal. I don't know why people are making this a big deal. Or this isn't anyone's business. Or this is really only hurting me. I mean, no one else is affected by this decision, just me. So, 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 so I, I, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm the one who has to deal with this. You know, that's a signal. That's a signal. What you're rationalizing is a signal. If there is something in your life that you hope no one else finds out, that is probably something you need to get a grip on, whatever it is, ASAP. Because you need to protect the presence of God in your heart. All right, here's the third question before you start throwing things at me. Where am I most defensive? Where am I most defensive? <laughs> what are the issues that when they're brought up, your response is, we're not going there. Mm-mm. We are not talking about this. Don't even start. That is probably a place in your life you need to sit down with Jesus, okay? Right there, that one, just right there. Search my heart, God. Search my heart. Is there any offensive way in me about this particular thing? And here's the thing. When you come to God and you ask those questions and you say, Lord, uncover my sins, and you honestly want to receive from him the answer to this question, are there any offensive ways in me, God will be faithful and point some things out that you've been trying to explain for a long time. That you've been trying to explain away. God will point some things out that you're trying to deny. And I want us to remember that denying the truth does not make truth false. That denying the truth does not make truth false. I want to encourage you, ask God to uncover your sin and then have the courage to face it. Have the courage to own it. When you come to grips with these sins in your life, the next step is confession. Okay, the next step is confession. There are different types of confession. There are different results of confession. Confession is actually a form of, of prayer to God. We confess to God for forgiveness, and we confess to people for healing. Okay, we confess to God for forgiveness, the scripture says, and we confess to people for healing. So scripture says if we confess our sins to God, that he is faithful to forgive our sins that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that he will make our hearts pure. That confession, just owning your sin and genuinely saying you're sorry for it is the key to forgiveness. You have full access to God. You can go straight to God and confess your sin any time of the day, any time of the night. In fact, I, I believe that confession, confessional prayer is probably one of God's favorite prayers because when you confess to God and he can forgive you, you can have freedom and the, more of the presence of God in your life. And so you're never bugging the Lord when you come to him and say, oh God, my heart is breaking because I realize how I treated that person. Or my attitude has just been so bad and I'm realizing it. Now, confessing to people, telling others what your sin is, won't give you forgiveness. It won't give you purity. But the scripture says it'll bring you healing. And what that means is it will preserve relationships. It will, it will make you stronger in community. It will help hold you accountable to the future. 
That God wants so much for us to be together in all of this journey. That he says, confess to each other your sins. That's what the scripture says. So that we can hold each other accountable. Not so that we can bring shame or guilt or defeat on one another. But that together, as a community, we can grow stronger. You saw in the video that we're asking every person to, to engage in a group. Here's why. Groups are so important to us as a church family because they offer an opportunity for us to confess to one another. When you're in the community of God, you can say to that friend you made in your group, I need help. Hold me accountable. Pray for me. God is showing me this, and I need help doing it different. None of us are perfect, but we are being transformed by a perfect God. And so together in a group, we can find this moment where we can confess our faults to each other, just admit all together that, man, we fall short, but we are all in process. And together we can pray, God, search our hearts, reveal our fears, uncover our sins, help us be better in community, help us house the presence of God, the fullness of all that he is, as we do this together. And so as Daniel mentioned today, in just a few minutes, we're going to have a groups fair, and, and you can go in the lobby, and he told you all about that, which was great, and how you're going to get here, and, and this and that. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, great, I got lunch to go to. <laughs> but if you want things to be different, you have to do something different. If you want 2019 to be different, you have to do something different. And so I'm just going to encourage you, at least humor me and walk down the hall, okay? Go check it out. Smile at the leaders. Give them a pat on the back and tell them they are doing a great job. Do that. That's one step closer. Consider making time in your busy schedule to invest in your spiritual life. I got to thinking this week that our spiritual lives is the only thing that will last forever. The only thing. And yet so often we make all these resolutions and plans and goals for everything but that. And then we walk into 2019 and cross our fingers and hope that maybe we grow. And what God is saying to us today is that he wants us to protect the presence of God in our lives. And we can pray, search me. God, search me, reveal my fear, uncover my sin, do something different in my life because I want to protect the presence of God. And so I just want to encourage you, take this prayer journal with you. Pray every day. That's the takeaway today. The thing that I want you to remember and repeat and talk about today when you go to lunch is God, search me, reveal my fears, uncover my sins, show me my heart as you see it. So actually, if you're a group leader, if you want to slip on out, we'll give you a, a minute so you can get out there and get ready for all these amazing people. Go ahead. But I'm going to pray here in just a minute. Will the rest of you stand to your feet with your prayer journal so you don't forget it <laughs> on, the, on the bench? And let's pray today. God, I thank you so much that you um, sent your son to die for us, God. I thank you, Lord, that, um, that you made a way for us to be with you forever. And so, God, today, I, I pray this prayer that David prayed, Lord, that, that you would search our hearts. God, that you would search our hearts, and even when it hurts, we could have the courage to face the things, God, that you want us to face, Lord. That our hearts would be pure before you so that our whole hearts could protect and house the presence of God. I pray you would reveal our fears to us. I pray you would uncover our sin. And God, I pray that as we work through these things in a very practical way, Holy Spirit, that, that you would do something in our hearts uh, so significant this year. 
God, I thank you for the word this morning during worship that, that the enemy wants to intimidate us. And, and God, I thank you that as we know that, as we uncover his plan, God, we can stand before you and know that nothing about our sin can intimidate us from you, God. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too bad. Father, your blood has been shed for it all. And so, God, we stand before you confessing our sins and being forgiven, Lord, and walking in the freedom and the wholeness, Lord, that you can give us. Lord, we love you. We love who you are. We pray for a great year ahead. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day.